Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com this is the straight up breakdown podcast with greg smith and jay foreman tell it to me straight up hello welcome into the straight up breakdown podcast partly proudly part of the hail varsity network i am greg smith your protein bar eating water guzzling today friend uh, this is Jay Foreman, uh, your pre-Peloton owning, uh, hangover, surviving co-host. So when do you have a date for your delivery? I keep meaning to ask you. I haven't often. got it yet. I haven't got the no, delivery, you, delivery Oh, you even got, haven't got no, the delivery? No, so I know it's, it's gonna a be couple a, months. Yeah, you're going to be a Hopefully man. before 2021, so that can be my New Year's resolution to, uh, you know, drop, you know, 10 to 15 pounds. Because either, either I'm going to drop 10 to 15 pounds or I'm going to drop dead. One of the two. Well, we're going we gonna to root for the 10 to 15 pounds. Are you right. trying to get to playing weight? Or are you just trying uh, to go uh, 10 to 15 Well, yeah. you know, technically right now I'm close to playing weight, but this playing just, weight, the playing weight isn't looking the like body it, composition The body is composition different. is a little off. Okay. Uh, little, I, 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 my excuse now is COVID because the gyms were closed and all that other stuff. Yeah. But the, 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 you know how they say you used to sculpt yourself out of clay? Yeah. Okay, well, mine's just putty. <laughs> hey, you never listen. I say, hey, I used to tell people I used to have a six pack. Now I got a keg, so you, could, you know, come one, come all. I mean, at least I mean you can admit it. It happens. I'm cool with it, man. Go. I mean, you know, the, the, when the dad bod took over, like when the dad bod fade, I fat or whatever, you know, took over. I think it was yeah. Vince Vaughn was the first guy. He, I don't even know if he has any children, but when he was dating Jennifer Aniston, he and he was looking fully blown out. Yeah. Now I'm like, okay, cool. I see where he's at. As long as I got a little lineup and stuff and, and, and show glimpses of getting back in shape, I'll be all right. Okay, you, you'll be good. So, yeah, so usually in the, in the beginning part of this podcast, uh, we, we start off with coach speak. So we give you something um, that somebody said over the weekend and then we'll react to it. I'm going to switch things up just a little bit differently this time. Now, we, we will not veer – all the way into the election and everything that happened. But I, I cannot let the moment pass without mentioning one specific part of this that really stood out to me over the weekend. And that was um, with the race being called um, by all of the networks and things looking the way that they look. Um, the fact that we will have or we currently have Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, who is the first um, woman of color, the first black woman, um, the first woman um, to hold that office when they get sworn in over in January. And there was one thing that she said in particular over the weekend that really stood out to me. I'm going to read that to you. She said, while I may be the first woman in the office, I will not be the last because every little girl watching tonight sees that 
this country is a country of possibilities. And the reason that that stood out to me was a number of reasons. One of them, I immediately thought of my mom. Um, I immediately thought of my sister. I do not have kids of my own. Um, we don't, I don't have, so I don't have a daughter, so I was right. not able to think of that. Um, and I just thought of all of the girls and women watching that moment to then know that that's a possibility for them. And it does not matter one bit. And frankly, I don't give a damn what you think about her politics per se. And if you voted for her her or not, um, just the human interest piece in seeing that moment, I think was very powerful um, and something that you should be able to relate to. Yeah. I mean, I just think that, uh, I mean, that's pretty powerful considering I have, you know, I got two daughters and uh, I, I highly doubt they're going to want to get into politics, but I always tell kids strive for greatness. And it's whether kids are looking at Michael Jordan, whether, you know, like, heck, I was, you know, I was, I'm on record a big, huge fan of Larry Bird. You know, I love the way he played basketball. You know, I love Michael Cooper and the Lakers. You know, we talked about that. And kids growing up now, they're seeing Steph Curry, LeBron James, Dirk, or, well, not Dirk Nowinski, but, you know, Luka and all these guys. I'm just talking about sports. Um, but when you talk about, breaking barriers down um you know I mean look you know I talked about like my dad when he went to University of Miami in 1968 that was right when um you know it was integration started down south and my grandfather I remember him telling the story of being scared for my dad's life going being a part of the first class at the University of Miami you know what I'm saying that had African-American um, you know, obviously student athletes, uh, you know, involved in it. And, uh, you know, my uncle, um, my oldest uncle, um, <clears throat> that, uh, he was the only one that didn't go to Miami, uh, because at the, at that time they didn't accept black athletes. He went to the university of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is he wanted to come to Nebraska, but right then at that point in time, Nebraska really weren't recruiting, you know, black offensive linemen from DC. So, um, you know, it's, it's look, I, I look at it like this, man, you know, I don't really do the politic thing. I just kind of look at it. I know that four years ago, there's always going to be people that are going to be upset that their candidate didn't win. And the people, when their candidate won, they're going to be happy. So I'm assuming some of these same, or like this, these some of these same things where if they were at a household, they would be talking about, you know, when, you know, Donald Trump was the president, that they could strive to be that or Mike Pence or, you know, whoever. Um, you know, African-American females of and in my opinion, have you know, for a long time been overlooked. It's it's a great uh, accomplishment for any female. I mean, let's face it, to be a vice president, but you know, African American, it's, it's huge. So, uh, hopefully, this time, um, ideally, we can kind of come to our senses as the you know we were long have been thought of and looked at as the greatest country on on earth. If we can start to act like it, um, it's not us versus them and inside of our borders can, it can be us and regardless of what you're thinking and kind of move in the same direction and embrace it. You might learn something, you know, to be honest with you, there's things that if people, uh, would look at the way that prior and this is, and really I'll say this, one of the best things that ever happened to me was meeting George Bush senior and, and, and W that's the, one of the best things that's ever happened to me. And it's because I got to see the dad. I got to see, I got to, or I got to meet the dad, talk to him uh, and the son. But then, you know, it was just only a 10 minute, 15 minute conversation that happened two or three different times. You know, he's a Republican. I'm thinking, you know, obviously when George Bush was there, everything was, you know, everybody was like, oh, it, it's horrible. You had Kanye Thanks. West yeah. talk about George, George Bush <laughs> hates black people, right? Yeah, and all that stuff. It's amazing, but yeah. But I talked to him 
and, and asked him a couple questions, and he enlightened me, and I learned so much from him. And it changed the way I looked at – I don't even say looked at politics because I don't really look at politics, but it changed the way I, I went about voting. It changed the way I um, always try to check myself on, like, um, assuming, uh, you know, assumptions just because, you know, he's a Republican or a Democrat, then you're this. You know, if you're a Republican, then you're, I guess, I don't even know the right – is it you're a conservative – Right. And then if you're a Democrat, then you're liberal. He's like, don't ever look at people like that. He's like, you're doing yourself a disservice. You got to take everyone as such. And so I was blessed to do that just because I was, you know, a football player at the university or at the for the Houston Texans. And our owner was good friends with them. Now, look, Bob McNair has had his issues with players on his team. Right. right, right. But but then also I'll say this, you know, when I was there, he treated me with the utmost respect um, has done a lot of great things for me, even when I wasn't on the team, um, was never, uh, you know, too far away from a phone call. Always when I came back, always, you know, had a conversation with me, um, you know, as a man. So, you know, at where we're at right now and we'll obviously move on to sports is, um, uh, you know, you know, I look at, I look at like this, it's a tumultuous time, but I think if, if people just kind of have cooler heads and support, you know, who the president is, and we'll go from there. And and that's the best thing. If I could give somebody advice, support the dude, see what he does, worry about it afterwards. It's kind of like a head coach. And the funny thing is, like, mm-hmm. um, when you look at our election, it's no different than when Bo Pelini got fired. If you could take this state and slice it right down the middle, that's where it was when Bo Pelini got fired. You had the Bo Leavers, I think they were calling themselves, right? <laughs> Was it the bowlers? Yeah. <laughs> and then you had the nice Mike guys or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, Mike Riley had the nine wins. But even when Mike Riley was winning nine wins, it was because of what Bo Pelini did. Right. Or There's Bo Pelini set. It was always a crossover. And, the same uh, way with Bo and Bill Callahan. Bo and Bill Callahan and all that stuff. And and so, um, and I still believe Bill Callahan would have had a great career if he wanted to be a Nebraska head coach and he would have fired Cosgrove. Um I'm with you on that, 100. It would have. I've always believed. I don't know that, what how, how great he would have been. He would, but he wouldn't have been the, the, the eyesore that he is in that, like in the coaching. Correct. You know, like tree. it's kind of like you can't even say his. You name. can't even say his name. Like I, when you said it, I kind of turned. I cringed yeah, up a little cringe bit. You cringe up by, by him and Mike mad. Riley. You're like, oh, yeah. you know, it's like a, it's like a, you know, a girl you dated in back in high school. You're like, oh man, what was you thinking? <laughs> you know, we weren't thinking, but. Uh, so you know that I, that's why I try to always like uh, look at it. You know, it's it is it's it's we're at a divisive type of place in the program in the America. But uh, you know, I think that uh, you know time heals all. It, people get over themselves and then um, you know go about their daily lives. Let's break that down. So as far as like where we're at as the program, that's kind of where we're at right now. You know, to be honest with you, rolling up here, you know, just listening to a couple different stations. I mean, people are calling in. You know, there's there's no in between. You know what I mean? That's right. the funny thing when it comes to sports or or politics, politics, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. Who's your candidate? Who's your coach? Uh, you know, oh man, you don't beat Northwestern, which it should never be acceptable. You shouldn't get on the plane home. You know, it's just. I right. mean, that's really this is one extreme. It's one extreme other, to yeah. another. Now, look when when you get the Lane Kiffin treatment, and I do believe when Mike Riley let that quarterback be the Big Ten Player of the Week, I have to have a conversation with you. We do have a coach ticket for you back to Lincoln. You will not be on this Nebraska flight back. Sometimes those are warranted. It's not warranted right now, I don't think, with this coaching staff or coach. Um, but we would be having a conversation right now. Yeah. I, and, and the conversation is, I don't want to hear any excuses, okay? I want better. 
and I need it. And and it's you can't go directly into wins and losses because we haven't won anything. We haven't won yet. But I expect to see better out there. And expect to see more discipline. I expect to meet a more tidy group because I see other places doing it with the less practice time uh, than we have. And that's uh, really what's probably alarming um, uh, what, what, where we're at right now. We, we The lack of fundamentals and the lack of fundamentals in the second half of, of games. Mm-hmm. You know what that game, Northwestern game, is like? Colorado last year. Control yeah, especially the game. considering when you consider how well the defense played, played in the first right, half. First half, ran out of similar gas. Similar to Colorado, ran out of gas. It was less points given right. up. Um, but where you just kind of – and at least maybe – I don't think people maybe thought about this last year during in the middle of that Colorado game, but I get a lot of messages about, okay, the, the offense has got to live up to their end of the bargain. they got to step up and help the defense out sure. because we've seen this now a handful of times, the type of game that played out on Saturday – played out has played out a, a few times where the defense is hanging in there and doing what they right. need um to do to produce a victory and then the offense is just not living they up to never get started the doesn't doesn't get started or they get started um but then the drives go sideways on them right. like you look up literally um yeah and i have it right here in front of me nebraska uh racked up 442 yards of total offense and 28 first downs and only scored 13 points. Right. Like, that's really hard to do. And Brandon Vogel had a great article about yeah. that on HillVarsity.com this weekend. That's It's hard to do that um, in a game. I bet we'll look back at this game, and this will be probably in the like the top three highest amount of yards and first down that Northwestern allows all year. Yeah. But yet they still only gave up 13 points, and they came away with a victory because they did what Northwestern does. They hang in there, and then they deliver a late knockout blow against you, and Nebraska kind of did what they do, where they find and invent ways to lose lose and to have things go badly for them. But at at some point, and this was kind of my big takeaway from this game and this weekend, is that at some point the Scott Frost offense that he was brought here to put on the field has to show up. Like, and I don't even know if – I'm not even talking about the – what was it, you know, 46, 50 points a game offense on, no, that was at UCF. That just doesn't uh, happen in a big team. Even Ohio State does not average that right. type of offensive production. They're very good, but they don't do 50 points a game. Like, but you have to be more competent offensively than 13 points. Like, it can't – even though and, – and I hear you when you say that Northwestern is a good defensive team, that's a good team. Right. Um, even against something like that, it still has to be better. And the reason – you know it can be better than that is they moved the ball up and down the field. They had seven red zone trips and came away with one touchdown. All right. And those in, in those seven red zone trips, like you just it, it cannot be that way. And this is just another example too of something that is it should be encouraging, but it ends up being discouraging because it's happened too much without that next step follow through of touchdowns. This is another example of Nebraska moving the ball at will against a good defense. That has happened now in each Northwestern game that they've played, I feel like every Wisconsin game has yeah. been like that. Where Nebraska moves the ball, time. Iowa has been like that. Some Purdue. the one last year was yeah. a little different, just because yeah. of the weather, kind of yeah. too. At the end of that game, Purdue they definitely Indiana. moved the ball. Indiana they moved the ball. You just go through and look at all the teams in the league that they've moved the ball up and down the field on, but they can't finish drives, and that's something that I'm not sure how 
they get to take that next step well, I, because I, I, it's and it, but I'll throw this out there is that it, it, it's two thoughts that I have on that is it's either you have to get more explosive plays to where you're scoring longer touchdowns which has yeah. also been absent which is right. weird and that's what they did um, a lot of which, at and what, that's what they did at UCF and that's what Oregon did a lot of as well right or they have to figure out a way to be more efficient and call better plays inside of the red zone too because there's just been too many times where it feels like and I don't know if this is you know what's happened every time but it feels like they get too cute in the yeah oh they get too cute for sure um what i hear i can give you a direct answer to it where where nebraska needs to evolve and when you look at scott frost offense they can scheme you open right Mm -hmm. that's why when we're talking about the receivers we have such an issue with it because they're scheming you open so put the guys in there they're actually are going to be able to create separation on a you know, to go along with the scheme and then make some plays. Now, we saw that, right? Right. Saw Fleming, yep. Manning, Betts, right? Um, there's a couple other ones that should be playing, right? You can't have guys, and look, I'm not down, you know, not throwing, you know, targeting any guys, but you can't have guys that are D2 guys out there playing against grown men, Division One, top, you know, top conference in the nation, coaches and players. You just can't. You got to put guys out there that can, that can do do what the you need. The guys that you recruited to do that. Like you recruited those the, guys. Right. To put some to, guys to out there that you got to respect straight right. up. Um that's number 1. Number 2, when you get in the red zone, it's harder to it's easier to run these t- the type of plays that he wants to play and have success because there's more room. So when you get in the red zone, everything's condensed and then everything everything has to happen faster. Now we look at quarterback play. One of Adrian's biggest detriments or biggest issues is he doesn't play it fast enough or efficient enough right so now you're operating with like your hand one hand behind your back right in the red zone now everything's tighter defenses adjust now things move a lot faster you know there's an old saying when we got in the red zone um you know is from you know defensive players it separates the the men from the boys because you got to be able to make plays you got to be able to make checks you got to be able to show up right our job is to stop you from scoring touchdowns. Now, the best answer to your question is, why has Nebraska struggled when you play in the Big Ten versus when you're playing the ACC or everywhere else or the Pac-12? You know what the, you, you, you want to know what the red zone comes down to? Mm. It comes down to players and not plays. Because when I need a play, I'm going to my best player. Right. Now, we haven't done that because we got too cute. Right. Right. It's a Wandell Robinson is who it, just it, okay, disappears right in, Disapp- for, wait, two, uh, for quarters he's out at there, a time. He's, he's out there just running around right now. Okay, which I mean, should it, not be the case. I know I'm talking about the red zone, but right. I got to say this while we're here: like, it, <laughs> you can't have the guy that you built your program around go the what second and third quarter without getting a touch, getting in a the game, getting getting a target in the game. Like it can't. And the, the comparison is funny because the comparison that I know that he doesn't necessarily like, even though they're friends, is Rondale Moore, right? Because everybody wants the two smaller, you know, yeah, scat back receivers guys, that yeah. are um, really explosive and dynamic. They're just going and they know each other. They're friends. They're always going to be linked. But the the way that I want to link them on for this discussion is if you look at the way that Jeff Brom used him, they did not go you know, quarters at a time no. without yeah, Rondale Moore. targets against Iowa. Yeah, without That's him not of. seeing the ball. Like, he completely dominated Ohio State because he was out there getting the ball, right? Right. Um, or the backup that Purdue, had 20, yeah. 20, yeah, 20 targets. And then you see it now, though, with David Bell, right. without Rondale Moore, their best playmaker at Purdue – always get schemed the ball. Like, right. it just always happens. Right. Like, he's so always going to get those it's things. It's the player but versus then the place. But when we get Nebraska, 
it it just disappears, and that is the players it's, it's versus the players, players versus plays because that's what's going to be the ultimate separator. I played against Randy Moss, man, up in Minneapolis. We had cover two Randy Moss in the red zone. We knew he was going up to shoot. We're, we're, our linebacker was taking their tight end, and the safety was over help over top of the help of, of Antoine Winfield, who played 12, 13 years in the league. His son plays for the Bucks now. Yeah, might and be our, defensive rookie of the year. Right, and our safety was there. You know who made, scored the touchdown? Randy Moss. Randy Moss <laughs> on double t- double d- double coverage. It's players, not plays. And so in order to – and it's twofold. we got to get the guy – we got to develop the guys that we can actually depend on to do it, but then also we have to put people in position in order to develop. And our play calling hasn't been up to snuff. It hasn't. And also what we need to do is do something different. You know, like when we're on when we're on second and, or we're at, at uh, first and goal at the at the at the two, what we have all these linemen that we have on scholarship, right? right? So why why wouldn't we come in with two extra linemen eligible, okay, yep. and have one tight end there, Mills, and you can either if you have a fullback on your roster, or put another Bo Wilson back there at fullback, which he's done at times. Yep, and we're coming right at you two or three plays in a row. And that's and I think you know that's I think that different. that's what they need. That but th- isn't that what people kind of assume they would do a little bit more of with Greg Austin kind of getting that run game coordinator titles that okay maybe that lends itself yeah to maybe it that. does but or, but until you do it it doesn't matter what your title is because it, because this is not just running the play it's setting a mindset and also it's actually coaching outside of your box though right right because Oregon always running the shotgun down there. UCF winning a shotgun down there. That's not working against 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 a Northwestern team because once you get cute the first couple downs, I know I got you. Right. And see, this is this is where I'm sighing over here because this is where the frustration comes in because even in that first game against Ohio State, they ran plays under center and ran some power stuff yeah. that you're like, oh, okay. That's Maybe it. we go, and then so, and so the frustrating part is, is okay. You see one style of attack for the offense in game one against Ohio State, and then you see a completely different looking right. offense two weeks later that really didn't work as well. But I, I just feel like they, and this is kind of my like uh, the issue I think with Nebraska football right now is that they show you enough, even in a loss against Ohio State, right. to be encouraged. And then but they sh- then they yank that right away in right. that next game against Northwestern. So, and then if you boil it down even more, within the Northwestern game, they showed you things to be excited, excited about. Because I wrote for Sunday night, like, hey, there are some young players in this program that you've Step- seen flash in a couple yeah. of games that you're like, okay, I, they might be able to do something with those guys. And it's both on offense and defense, defense, right? Yeah. And I, w- I actually might say that there's some more – the guys on defense are a little bit more encouraging right now yeah, than the guys some on of the offense. Veterans. Yeah. And, it's, and, and some, some of the veterans yeah. because – which is also surprising given how people talk about the defense and the defensive coordinator. But that right now is where I think the, the rubber meets the road and the frustration has built with Nebraska fans is because you can see it when you turn the game on on Saturdays. There's enough there to say – I can get excited about this, and then also always enough there to say, say we got the same, the same old, old thing. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's and it sometimes happens within a drive. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. Well, <laughs> so it happens within a play, two plays. <laughs> right. You know, they'll bust – like, okay, the first run against Northwestern. Dedrick Mills powers through that bad boy for, what, nine yards? Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, okay, homeboy's ready to run today. Right. All right, man, take the, take the next six plays off. Right. We just ran I'm, – I'm, I'm going to run the same play again. If I just come out the first play and get eight, nine yards against that defense, 
we're going to see if you can stop it again because that would say that you guys either weren't ready to play or maybe, matter of fact, we might be more ready to play than you and you can't handle what we're doing. Um, you know what Nebraska is, is, and this is funny thing about it, is I coach youth basketball. They're just like my, I guess, so-called top team. They're, we'll go out and we'll beat a team that we're not supposed to or we'll play, you know, gold level basketball, mm-hmm. A level. And then we'll go out against a team that has no business beating us or, you know, no business on the court with us, we'll either barely beat them or we'll lose to them. Right. And that's Nebraska. Immaturity. It's just it's a, it's immaturity. A, it's, it's a immatur- lack of consistency. It's a lack of – but it's, imma- it's, a, it's an immature yeah. – it's an immaturity all around. And let's just be honest. This is Scott's fifth year being a head football coach, right? I mean, that's young in football years a head coach. Right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you got to think when you're thinking about, you know, um, Nick Saban – you know, he had been a head coach at Michigan State. He had been a head coach in the league. He had been a head coach at LSU. He had Then he went to the Dolphins, and then he came back to Alabama. I mean, he had already been a head coach three or four times. Even, like, when you look at, like, Elaine Kiffin, he had been a head coach right. at the Raiders. And there's guys that have been successful at the level that we like to get to, they've been a head coach before. Right. You know, not granted. When you're thinking about Ryan Day, that's kind of like turnkey. Jim Harbaugh, which they're not. And he not- also might. And I want to say about Ryan Day, and I feel like I now keep saying this as a broken record. I've been more and more impressed Press with, with Ryan him. Day as we go, go on. Because there's week. something, and you could see it even in that Nebraska game. You saw it um, last year's game, too, as a matter of fact. What I'm impressed by with Ryan Day and his staff, they make adjustments like half, that. that. Like, and I mean, they might not even wait till halftime. They'll no. call a timeout and they'll adjust to something on the fly and get it going. Yeah. Like, and that is something that I feel like if I could take one thing from their staff, staff to and our, put it in oh, onto the get it even staff, from Northwestern that, staff. Yeah. Um, and that comes with experience, right? So when I talk about the lack of maturity, or just maybe it's lack of experience and immaturity as an overall program. And that happens when you've had so much turnover, right? You go from mm-hmm. Bo, Mike Riley to Scott. And, it's and such different sit, styles. Right, say, system, such different yeah. styles, right? And, like, when if you look at Wisconsin, when they had uh, Alvarez retired and then you brought in Anderson and then you come back to Chris, it, he told you, Barry Alvarez told you, look, man, he does, he does all that little funny stuff. But at the end of the day, our bread and butter is physical football. Right. So, really, when, when one person leaves, another guy comes in, the transition isn't as right. hard. Our transitions – have been extremely hard ever since Frank left, right? right? So you have Frank, kind of like Tom Osborne-esque, right? You know, I mean, still, then you come to totally different and try to actually dissipate any type of things that was successful before with Callahan, and then Callahan doesn't work. So now you just spent five years or however long he was here trying to do the exact opposite of what you've been doing that was successful, and here comes Bo trying to put his little – you know, stamp on the program, right? right? Then he tried to have his own type of black shirts and all this other stuff. Didn't work, right? Then here comes Mike, nice Mike. That's the difference, totally different than Bo. Now we're running a little bit of West Coast offense. We're doing a little bit, you know, Friday night lights and all this mm-hmm. other stuff, right? And then here comes Scott, the new kid on the block. Still, with, I mean, he's still, you know, young in his coaching, yeah. you know, career and trying to learn. In the best conference and the big against the best coaches. <laughs> with the most pressure. Like, see, that's the other with thing, the most too, pressure. is that there is a there's a level of pressure on Scott. that, And then people are saying, oh, man, we need to, like, the media needs to hold him, his feet to the fire. And they need to make sure and ask him tough questions and all this. Like, fine, you can have your opinion, whatever. But 
I also think that there's a a level of pressure that he puts on himself. Like you don't think you think that Scott Frost doesn't care about making sure that Nebraska gets back and is good. So you like know, he's going to put man, a lot of pressure this on is where himself. You're from? Like you, that's tough. You man. can't live here if you if right. You fail. And see, and that's the thing. It's something that like, and I'm not saying that that's where we're heading, but if no. we got to that point, like things would be very rough on him in the end. This is of where he's all of that. from. This is where, like this, this is, is what his he state. knows. This <laughs> like, is what he, I mean. This is the ultimate. I wouldn't say gamble, but this is a big step for him, and it's a big step for the University of Nebraska. And so, yes, he. I know Scott is a competitor. That's one thing I know. Oh, yeah. He likes to compete and he likes to win. I can guarantee you he ain't sleeping good at night. No. Because he's – and he even said it, he'd like to be farther along. So he's trying to rack his brain how to get it there. Um, and But I can say it without – I can say that and then also say that, if you know, I, he knows that they, he should, they should be – farther along he should be doing a better job wins and losses x y and z so it's almost like he's fighting against himself because he already has the pressure that more you know a lot of times with an athlete your expectations of yourself is as high or higher than anybody else outside right. of you know your yeah, personal. nobody knows you know husker yeah. fan 22 on twitter right. is not telling him something that he doesn't he, he already, doesn't already know, know right yeah. so he already has that you know internal you know competitiveness and, and pressure on himself um He's got a ton of friends and ex-teammates here where he, he's like, dude, you here. You're making a lot of money. What's up? Right. You know, I, I got that Stephen A. Smith uh, <laughs> tweet out there. What's up? You know, uh, and so we got to have, you know, more production. Now, I can tell you this. I think he's he probably thought some guys would play, be playing a lot better and consistent than they are. They haven't. Um, you know, whether it's COVID this year or not, just he would expect it a better performance and more consistency. He hasn't got it. Um, and that affects, you know, the wins and losses. Um, and so, you know, he's, you're at this in, in, uh, he's at this, uh, I wouldn't say impasse, but here's where we're at. As, like as a team, we're, we're pulling up to this big old brick wall. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, a hundred feet wide, hundred feet tall. Okay. Running into that bad boy and doing what we're doing ain't working. So we got to do something else. So now whether we got to find a way that we got to find a way to go underneath it to the sideways of it, because maybe it's starting to get, you know, maybe it's not as steep when you go a little bit to the side. Right. Right. Or we got to find a way to throw something over there so we can all climb over it together. But trying to run right through that bad boy ain't going to work. And I think that that's the perfect way to describe it because it's basically saying that they need to find a way to adjust what they're doing doing so that they can produce more wins because something obviously something is different from what they thought would happen when they took when, when they, they got the staff yeah. um, took over this program and there have been I don't want to say that there have been no adjustments um, that no. have been made because there have been some on the fly but but you've got to continue to tweak this thing to to figure it out um, it, it because and that's what they get paid to do to, to, to try to find and search for those answers and and the the most frustrating part about that and frustrating is the word of the day today is that it. They are not. When he says, Scott, that they are close, they're almost there. They just need to taste the success so that they can start building and, and get that confidence going. I actually, I believe that. Oh, yeah. He, and he, because they are not. If you just look, even as frustrating as some of these games are, I believe this is the 10th score, 10th game that Nebraska has lost under and Frost with two one and, score. Two and some change years. Yeah. That's all. That's ten games. Like so, they you win are six of those, close, right? right. And, and, and now it's with a fifth and all that stuff, right. right? Right. But then, but it. So they're doing enough 
to be right there in games, even with the the whole pile of mistakes yeah. that we see on a week to week basis. So it, it it's one of those things though, the chicken or the egg, what needs to come first? Do they need to just get a win to get the ball rolling? Do they need to just stop or limit the mistakes? I don't think stop is gonna be I like the, the amount of things that happen to Nebraska, it's not gonna just flip a switch no, and then stop come, doing yeah. all of that. You might be able to cut those penalties in half. You might be able to let's just start with on the first play of drives, we don't have penalties, right? Which is still it's alarming the amount of times right. Nebraska comes out on the very first play of a drive and has a penalty like I, I've just never seen anything right. like that yeah, before. Like uh, maybe we we cut our turnovers in half so that because now that our de- our defense has played well enough to in this game they produced two turnovers they got two takeaways but we came out even on sure. that so maybe we have one instead of two like they've got to find like ways to make those incremental steps because I think if they just make half just make some right. steps that turns a game or two right there on its own, right? right. Yeah, because it they've been so close. And timely. In these games. I mean, we have got to find a. And what you're saying in a in a roundabout way, and I'll even add on to this: we have got to find a way to marry our defense, special teams, and offense together. Yeah, have a so, game win it. So think about. I know just like the last. When was the last time Nebraska had a good performance from each one of right. those right. <laughs> the segments of the game? Right, all of them at the same time. Never. I haven't seen it. I don't it's know. Been, well, and, and, and there's a way to do it, and they could have done it this week. It's almost like you, you got to play a couple games during during practice. Like you got to change the way you're practicing, right? Because you could be here's why, and not the way you're practicing. Like you you, you ain't gonna go like live goal line for two hours, right? Right. But you got to change the way because obviously the way that they're practicing is leading to what you're doing in the games, right? And that means if you got to take the green jersey off the quarterbacks and stop fumbling the ball. Right. And, and 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 maybe put an extra defender out there so you're not playing keep away from the offense, right? You got to change some stuff up, and it's got to be also not only the way you practice, but then how you play calls be, or how you play or call plays because throwing that ball across the middle in, at the two yard line when there's like 85 people there, <laughs> and you reduce the formation. And what I mean for by reduce the formation, the guy motion down, so right. that means you bring another defender into the box and you try to just hike the ball and throw it just blindly is probably something that wouldn't even work at Seacrest Field. Okay? So let that all be there. But you got to change what you're doing in the sense of you got to create an imbalance when they come out to practice. You know what I'm saying? Okay, this is what we're doing. This is what we're going to work on. We're going to eliminate how we start drive. So you know what? We're going to warm up, and we're starting right now. Okay? Boom. Okay, you got a penalty? Hit the line you're running. Okay? Everybody's running because when you make a mistake – all uh, not only does the offense, you know, you got you know, it puts the offense behind. Now you're putting the defense in a bad position because now we're playing behind the chains, and now the, the uh, Northwest is going to get the ball, and uh, probably on our side of the fifty, and now we're on the chance that well, now I got to change the way I, I I do it. So now the pressure is not only from the offensive guys, now the whole team, right? Everybody feels right, it. and we have got to be able to marry how we're playing defense and how we're playing special teams and offense. On the fly, too. Okay, so if the defense is playing fast and playing with their, you know, their hair on fire, hitting the quarterback, hit, getting tackles for losses, and our special teams is covering the same way, well, then maybe that's why we need to play offense. Now, if we're playing good, sound, fundamental defense, and our special teams was okay at best, like we were this week, well, then maybe we got to slow this game down. We got to be more of a physical game. We got to figure out a different way to play. See, the problem is, is this: when the defense is playing good or playing complete 
sound football, our offense isn't. Right. And we're trying to do stuff that's – we're trying to get cute. Well, cute ain't working for us. And special teams, we have got to cover the kicks all the time. Yeah, I think that's an attention that's a, to detail. That's attention like, to detail. Staying locked in. Staying locked thing. in. Because it this isn't time to just go down the there and run <laughs> right. and get your hamstrings run up and then warmed up and then go on the sidelines and talk about what you're going to do after the game. When I'm calling for punt team, this is where we're punting. Most likely, they're, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a directional punt. We're doing a middle-of-the-field punt. We're doing another directional punt. We have got to cover this kick. And here, and it's got to be in film study that you got to understand when we're punting from said yard line that the potential of return is here, and we can't give up any yards. Because of, as of right now, even in this meeting, like in this defensive meeting, special teams meeting, our offense isn't pulling our weight, so now we got to pull it a little bit more. And offensively, we also since we we defense is playing better than we are, we have to be able to play offense to make them be be in a better situation to continue along their their path of progression, but then also how we can be more efficient in, in scoring points. And it's a hard thing to do, but we getting it we're getting in our own way. Number one and number two, the young guys, I'm putting you, I'm going to put you guys in a better position to step up. Now you better step up. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to see anything after a game talking about you ain't play. Okay, now you're going to be playing for real. And we're going to be playing a lot of guys out there. So if you want your, you want more catches, this is the time. And so it's it's hard, man. I mean, it's 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 a hard team to watch because you see so many good things and you see them in small increments, medium-sized increments, and a lot of ways bigger increments. But then you and within within those positive things, right? Mm-hmm. Like we could come out of that game and say the defense played good enough to win. Yep. But inside that defense, we see some fundamental problems with yeah, tackling. You still see some stuff that, like, the tackling just the tackling was not, especially ang- it broke down later in the in, game. In the game. Yeah. And the angles. The, and so that's an attention to detail type of thing, right? And when you're trying to build a program and just get a win, the details are more important than the fancy stuff. And it's and, and to me, that's the, the thing that the coaching staff should be able to drive home is – if you just continue, just hear me out and listen and do these details, and we're going to get a better result. The problem is, is that, okay, maybe the defense for, let's say, 75% of the game, 70, don't be conservative, 70% of the game was on their details and they were doing what they were supposed yeah. to do, and we only gave up 21 points, but dang, we still came out with a loss, right? That's the kind of stuff that, like, you just start thinking about the psychology of the team. That yeah. has to hurt, and that starts to build in your mind, and you think about the, that's not just a this week kind of thing. Yeah, that's happened before, and it's here we go again. So after a certain point, it just starts to go, Okay, well, that that's just kind of what happens because and what what Nebraska I think what Nebraska needs more than anything it, it needs to be for their sake this weekend against Penn State is they need to come out in the game and have in their first three drives have three touchdowns and see what happens, right? right? And just see, okay, if we actually, if the offense is putting their their offense in dis, um, advantageous positions and they're having to press a little bit on the Penn State side and our defense has played well and now they can pin their ears back and get after it, right. let's just see what happens, right. right? Because that is something that has also just been completely different. We know about the differences yeah, we haven't between, played a lot. between UCF, what was that UCF yeah, and yeah, what's been in the You're playing with a lot of leads and, and you're, and you're yeah. able to blitz and do all this stuff. It and completely you, changes the game changes for, the game. for, for 
for your the way that your defense can then be called and the risk that they can take um, and the turnovers that they force, it just all changes if your offense on the other side is then getting a lead. It's formidable. Um, yeah, yeah, because we're, right that's now, a we're real not hard form- thing to overcome. You're making them play. What What's happening right now, though, is that you're making the defense have to play lights out mistake free as if they are Alabama or like yeah. Wisconsin when they're really rolling, rolling to keep it yeah. in the conference. Or Clemson or they, something, Clemson, like, something that. like that. They have to play at that level to keep Nebraska in the game. And nobody thought that this defense was, was gonna that. That, right. like that's not so that's not even that's not that's something reserved for like five defenses a year. Right. The yeah, nation, yeah, right? The whole so that's nation. just not even yeah. yeah, that's not realistic to think um of what you're asking the defense to do right now because the offense has then been so bad. Um but sticking on the offense, something that I also wanted to bring up was we can't go um, too far into this without getting into this quarterback situation because it is a thing that it's going to be there. another talking point and I don't I honestly, like, to keep it 100 with y'all, I hope that we'd be beyond this at this point of the season in one way or the other, uh, because we were supposed to have three games that are about at this point. Uh, one way or the other, like, everybody knew who the quarterback was going to be. Things were kind of rolling with whoever that was. I, it doesn't really all that much matter to me who it is. Um, but the door is wide open right now for the quarterback controversy. Right. And I don't. It's getting wider, though. <laughs> yeah, the door is the door is definitely and that seat now. Is getting, is, is the seat's getting hot. But the, this is and this is again we just talk about frustration being the, the word of the day. Is watching Adrian Martinez on Saturday is extremely frustrating because you see on one hand, say even though the throw wasn't pretty, the one um, on the flag route to Austin Allen right. um, over the linebacker before the defensive right. back it got there <laughs> it was there it was accurate it was on time didn't look great um you see the scrambling ability um you see when he's decisive and running the football that he's effective at doing that but then again you see the same old stuff with the lack of ball security you see it with the turnovers you see the inaccuracy um and then you get to see Luke McCaffrey and while he was not amazing it looked like it functioned a little bit better, right? And right. I don't know if that's a, a a thing because Luke was the guy running it or a combination of that plus some of the receivers that they had out there at that point because I think that the two they catches had that Betts had out there yeah, were, I was, think, from, was, both Luke from Luke. Luke. Yeah. Um, he went to Marcus Fleming a couple of times as right. well. Like <laughs> – are you looking at me? I think I think I know hey, where man. you think they hey. should go. I don't know if they should go there yet, but – like I just said, I mean, look, Luke has earned playing time, legitimate playing he time. Has, yeah. Adrian has earned less playing time. Um, things look a little different when you know one quarterback's in there and one's not, but there's other factors to it. You know, does our narrative change if the tight end actually blocks the guy down in the red zone? And Adrian doesn't have to be on the headset like he's on eight mile, you know, dropping some lyrics. He was so and mad. He was so mad. Right. So we score a touchdown there or the drive continues and we end up scoring a touchdown. Does the narrative change? Right. Um, does it give him more confidence when he's throwing balls? Now, we're trying to stretch the field with tight ends versus trying to stretch the field with guys that actually can stretch the field. Now, that's when Adrian's in there. Now we're throwing some deep comebacks and all this other stuff when Luke's in there with Fleming. But and, the but, question but, is, is, is that. Is that what's called, or is that Luke, Luke getting to that progression? It's probably That's a little bit the of both. Thing. That, that but then <laughs> also, I will say this: I think Luke plays the quarterback position at this point in time a little bit more better, a little bit better than Adrian does. If you look at his footwork, if you look at his, I guess, quote unquote, moxie, if you look at his aura about him, 
is different. And we talked about this coming up here. Luke McCaffrey's been around professional athletes since the day he was born. He hung around with John Elway. He saw how he eat, eats, how he prepared. He's been at training camp. He's seen John Elway throw that throw, the throws that he's been throwing. I'm willing to say close to half a million times. Uh. He's probably watched breaking down tape with not only his dad, but both of his brothers. And so he's been around this. And so the, the, the work ethic, what it, what it takes to be a leader, to continue to play through some bad situations, that's embodied in him, right? And we also have to come to terms, maybe Adrian is who he is. We've seen enough. Not enough that, that he's not going to play. But right now, he is who he is, okay? If there ever was a time to show up and be a more fundamentally sound a more efficient quarterback, there is no time like the present in 2020. You had all offseason to do this. Your footwork is still sloppy, right? And we, that was one of the biggest things. That's yeah, that's why one of, that is one of the things on his that's why you, you see, see it That's why you see it. Consi- balls, yeah. it is he's consistently in, inconsistent. Luke, you see a little bit more consistent, consistency in his footwork. But you haven't seen enough of Luke say this guy needs to be the starter because Luke didn't score any points. Now, right. there's other, other things that go into it. Adrian had a bad interception. Luke had a bad interception. So has he earned some more playing time? Yes. Has he, has he played well enough to unseat the guy that uh, is incumbent? I don't think so. But, hey, man, we won nine games in two years with two. Okay? Uh, nine, I mean, however you want to get to it, we won nine games in two years. I need you to, I need you to step up. And you need you to step up right. because the next conversation that we might be having might not be about you playing. Yeah, at all. I, th- I think. And see, and that's at the all. thing. When I say at all, at all, we gotta. Uh, it's and, tough and you know what comes it, after at all, Greg? <laughs> what transfer portal? Yeah, because then what ends up? And, and yeah, at quarterback, yes, that always ends up. Uh, okay, ends but up I'm just saying, this is the conversation. Always tell the parents of the kids that I coach. Don't make me have a, have a conversation with you that I've already had with you and your kids prior. Because once I have this conversation that I usually don't want to have, because I'm not really like cutthroat where your kid ain't going to play all the time. Mm-hmm. But if your kid ain't coming to practice and isn't willing to be a good teammate, then I'll have this conversation with you. And it's a whole different type of body language. Right. Oh, yeah, you know when you come into office and you're actually in trouble right. versus, <laughs> versus not. Right. Um, but I do think that it, it's not as – it's probably not as much of a slam dunk as some in the fan base. Yeah, because everybody – let's be honest, everybody it. loves a backup quarterback. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and everything that the backup quarterback does uh, is, I think, elevated by people. Um, but I just think at this point, based on what we've seen um, – you know, it, it just, it, I think that you said it right. Like at this point, like we're getting it dangerously close to the we're territory the- with Adrian of do we know, is, are you <laughs> what you uh-huh. are? You know what I mean? Are yeah. you not going to be better than what we saw um, all the way back? Well, really, the freshman year we saw, we saw, and you thought he was building off of that, but really what the sophomore season was, do, have we already seen your ceiling? And uh, that's the thing that I think is really dangerous when you have a player and Luke McCaffrey behind you who right. has, at the very least, he's played him close. Like, if, yeah. if you want to say that Adrian close. is playing at a level the, five and you say Luke is at a 4.5, right. like, it's close, right? Right now, right now, there's three levels to when you're about to lose your position, right? DEFCON 1, that's your, war- that's your warning mm-hmm. probably at the end of last year going into spring ball. We're at DEFCON 2. 
All right. Okay, we're at the yellow. Once we get to three, you gone. And part of this is, and remember that part of it is that as a as a two time captain, as a guy who off the field seemingly has done all the right things, talking about Adrian Martinez, um, a guy who you can see it in the press conferences, um, is a good kid. Has yeah, respect yeah, we're not talking teammates. about a bad kid. Yeah. Here. So so yeah. when you talk about benching him, it's different. It's, 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 it's it bigger, is different. It's bigger than like that. It, it, it's different. And and let's be, and and I will say this: Scott and those guys know more about the day in and day out, the the strengths and weaknesses of both than we would ever even think of of trying to know. And I also want to say this. It's different being a backup and coming in and playing with the little package. And, and like you said, everybody loves the backup and everything's magnified versus people game planning for you. Right. And that's, that a different, and that's the difference between Adrian in year one to year two and now we're in year three. What, the big, what, when you, what you see in quarterbacks, now we're talking about quarterbacks, that continue along – the successful path is the ability to adjust and work on your weaknesses and have that not to be such a, a negative to where people can focus on it. And also I would like to see before we even think about making a true switch, right? Um, Because when you make a switch, is it switch just for the game? If Luke, what does Luke have to do to cement himself? Mm -hmm. Because Luke could get hurt or just not play well in that role. I would like to see Adrian with Omar Manning, Fleming, um, Elante Brown and Betts. I'd yeah, like to before, see him with those four. Before like, so what I you're start, saying is give him a give him a chance right. to be out there with, with those the guys. playmakers that you right. thought you and then we're going to call the plays can, and, yeah. and 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 see how you do off schedule because once Adrian gets out the side and all that and you got more speed, guys seem to get a little bit more open, right? Right. And I want to see that before I say, okay, well, the guy that's been working with these backups, they kind of got to have like a you know a good cohesive mm-hmm. right because a lot of Luke McCaffrey and those guys haven't been. They haven't been starting. Right. So they've been throwing to each other. I want to see you with these guys that are eventually going to be out there. Right. Because the whole offense looks different when they were out there. And then I want to see how we try to scheme up something for Wandell Robinson and, and, and Mills. It's almost like we have too many, like, pieces or too many, like, assets that we don't even know how to use one. Yeah. And, that and is we need something- to get in the pecking order. This is the guy that I need to get off first. Yep. Then it has to be second. Okay, this is going to be the equalizer. And what I mean by equalizer, it has to be, okay, when we want to get into that four-minute drill and we want to start pounding you to soften you up for all of our fancy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, here you come, Diedrich Mills. In these next two series, you're about to get six carries. Now we got to produce, right? And then we can start doing that instead of like we're, we're trying to do – all those things in one series. Oh, well, we got to get him a touch on play one. Oh, we got to, no matter what, the down and distance, we're going to call and get this guy a touch. Um, you know, one of the plays as far as like the jet sweep, you know, the the Rams run this jet sweep with all the receivers. And I and, and I, every time I see it, I was like, man, that would be great. We're more, more I think Robinson. about that all the time. Um, was it, it – it was either last year or two years ago. Wisconsin ran that a yes. lot with those guys. And if you think about what was happening with that Wisconsin team, and this is why it was so hard to stop their running game because they would run that jet sweep and they would sometimes hand it off. It was with to Gordon this or and they had 23. Yeah. yeah. And then when they had before when they were going, but then when they had uh, Jonathan Taylor back there yeah. running back, if you really don't know who's getting the ball if the jet sweep guys yeah. get it or they're about to hand yeah. it off. To Jonathan Taylor, like good luck trying to stop right. that, right? And then with that offensive line, that's I, that's where I feel like Nebraska is lacking. And listen, I'm not a play caller. I don't call right. plays. Scott knows more about offense than I know, but. I just feel like if you really want to threaten teams with Wondell Robinson, if you're actually – if you want to use him as a decoy or you just want to hand him the ball in that situation um, just to get him a touch – 
that's the way that you can easily do that because then it messes up your defense. We said we were talking about this on the drive up is that there was a play in that game where they're in the red zone and they it happened two different times where they ran Chris Hickman through once on the fake jet motion and they ran Cade Warner through on the fake yeah. jet motion. Both times, if you watch Northwestern's defense, the linebacker to the side that the jet was coming to Didn't did even move. not move. Yeah. They did not even look at the guy coming through. That tells you that they scouted on film. If you see that jet action and it's somebody other than number one, he ain't getting they're the ball. not getting the ball. Right. So just stay home. That's good coaching. That's good eye discipline by those players and right. listening by them. Um, but they know that coming through because also how many times has Nebraska actually run that play where they hand the ball Very to few. the guy? And really, if they get the ball, let's be honest, they feel like they can rally and run those guys right. down. Right. And so, and that's the thing is that if you just make that little tweak where if that guy then becomes Wondell Robinson coming through, right. even if you don't hand him the ball, I bet you right. that that outside linebacker is going to have to pay attention to him. That key takes yeah. one more guy out of the box. Maybe that tight end block is a little bit better, and then that's a touchdown. Right. Those are the types of little things that when we talk about Nebraska making things just so hard on themselves, that's what I'm talking about. It's stuff that, like, and I think that um, the whole, like, do they have the players and all of that, I they think that's out players. of the they yeah. have the players. They I have don't the players they to have be the players. to play better than they're playing and represent and have a better record representing the University of Nebraska. But they are they not putting. I think there is a bigger gap between them not putting players in the right positions to succeed than there is them just having the talent on the right. field. Yeah, I mean that, that's it. I mean you got to use your talent, and it changes year to year. Yeah, you know the first year you got Divine and Morgan, and then Adrian in there. He kind of was he was the third guy. Yep. Right. Uh, and, and well, yeah, just fourth. Yeah, JD. Fourth, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, however, it all mixed up. But the offense didn't really take off until you really settled in on Divine. Because you remember, remember, excuse me. Yeah, Greg Bell and all these other chumps in there, and they were trying to get you know times and Will Bond and all them. And then right. finally, he's like, oh man, this guy actually can run the ball. Right. That made the offense more explosive. The 40, 30 r- runs and and Divine getting faster. Because remember, they yep. had his miles yep. per hour up there and all that stuff. So. You know, until they decide, and, you, and one of the things that popped in my mind when you said that is you're mixing player with the plays. You can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been times Randy Moss and all these guys have been decoys, but then also you can also focus in on them, um, you know, to make it. You know, I think the horizontal passing game has not really worked in the Big Ten. I think guys are too big and too fast for that. And, um, and with also with the combination of Nebraska not being able to block those plays right. consistently. Block those plays and, consistently. And part of that might be because guys are, are better defensively in this right. league. Right, and, and they're defensively in this, in this league, and you got guys that have seen it before, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so then you have to be able to stretch them either through play action or, you know, through vertical passing game. And the vertical passing game isn't just running nine routes because people don't understand running nine routes are – I would like to see the completion percentage on them against, you know, good defenses is probably – Lower than twenty percent, probably. But you also need to. You, you need to have that. You, threat. you the need time to have that. that you do them. It cannot be zero percent either. Though. Right. You got to do it. You got to do it when you when it's a realistic chance to either win that fifty fifty ball or you got a guy that can make the play or you can get a pass interference. What I'm saying is, a vertical passing game isn't guys just running straight. A vertical passing game is running the skinny post. A vertical passing game is running a fly pattern and then you come back. And you run a deep, you know, a deep dig, a deep square, a, a, a yeah, deep like square, <laughs> or you throw the, the back shoulder, you know, mm-hmm. play or the pass, which all these kids are doing in seven on seven. So it's not something that you can't, you know, put into right. your offense and game plan X, Y, and Z. The vertical passing game is a play action pass, and you got a tight end that can get 
past the second level and, and, and get in between the safety or the linebacker and the safeties or beat a one-on-one coverage from a linebacker. we got a six, seven, six, eight tight end that can run a little bit. He should have a big catch radius. We talked about, obviously, Fedoni probably coming in and playing a big role in that. He has a huge catch radius with, along with his speed. So these are things that we need to do and, and put into our offensive game plan. It's a lot, right? We're talking about a lot. We got And then let alone we haven't even really focused in on really establishing a true physical presence um, from a running attack from our – not from our quarterback, but from our bruiser of a type of a runner. We haven't got there yet. And the thing that's maybe the most frustrating, each of the first two years, it's like the last quarter of the season we finally realized – we we or it, well it was earlier with Divine. We kind of fell into Divine. Yeah, we had to like he was like the guy. All right, well let's let you start. Oh man, you're actually good. Right, like now <laughs> he's in the, been in the league two years. Right. Um. And the, but then with Greg Bell last year it was like the last four or five games. They're like, okay, this dude actually can run the rock. Yeah. Or not Greg Bell, but uh, with uh, Dedrick Mills. Sorry about that. Um. He can actually run the rock. But now we're here, and he's not really getting any running back runs. And so that what that does is it, it it'll open up some things that you can do. And so what we need to do is just – if I had one equation for you for you people, and it's Masters week out here, right, this week. So if you don't know, the Masters is being played. So I'm gonna not only going to be chilling watching Nebraska, I'm going to be watch, drinking plenty of drinks and watching Masters, Masters, right? One of the things that, you know, Tiger Woods talked about when he was trying to repair his golf game after having, you know, multiple back surgeries. That's equation to Nebraska having multiple coaches, mm-hmm. Right. The, your your core and your back and golf is huge, right? Is that he had to learn and 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 focus on the game from the green backwards. So how does that equate to football? We have to focus on things outside of what we want to do, which is in this modern day is bomb the driver and work on things which is around the green, putting, approach shots, X, Y, and Z, right? right? So what we have to do is we gotta we gotta eliminate penalties. We got to be a more physical in our running attack and our mindset, and we got to be able to play pitch and catch as far as hitting the open receivers. We got to be able to do the fundamentals and the small things before we can do the big things, which right. is the fancy stuff, right? Some of that's personnel, some of it's play calling, practice habits, practice culture. Before we can do anything else, right? Right? Before we can run, you know, all the the throwback pass that we tried to do in, in our side of the fifty and all that <laughs> other stuff, right? Before yeah. we can do that, we have got to do the basics. And you, when you, if you want to look at Northwestern against Iowa, they ran the ball so many times. I don't know how many, 40 or 50 times and averaged 2.3 yards a carry. They're doing the basics. Just keeping the game close. Right. And that's what we're not doing. We're not doing the basics. Um, and then it's showing up at the, at the worst times. Now, is, the, is it because the, the defense got worn down and mentally they're worn down and you have two guys taking the same angle in the in the – Tight end does it like a little pirouette and goes into the end zone. Right. Um, maybe so. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the little things that we're not doing yet at a good enough rate um, to help accentuate what we'd like to do as an offense. Absolutely. Now, every every week we end the show with a segment called Put Them on Blast, which is my favorite segment of the week, where we basically put somebody on blast for something they did or said. Put them on blast. Now this week, now did you see that the that that great game is Notre Dame versus Clemson on Saturday night, double overtime thriller. Notre Dame wins it, forty seven forty to get the win over number one Clemson. And what promptly happened after that game? Notre Dame rushed the field. Oh, now 
I understand that there is excitement <laughs> about you upsetting number one team in the country. A lot of people out there don't like Davo Sweeney, so you got a little extra juice uh, from beating them, right? But we are still in a pandemic, right? Right. Like that, yes, I mean, I that think is so. still happening and, in fact, raging and Notre Dame around has the country. Issues, right? Notre yeah. Dame has had issues. Indiana has had issues, but that's not exclusive to Indiana Notre Dame because, frankly, it's happening everywhere. Go look at the map of where you see, like, if anybody – what states are in the red or orange zones right now or green. I think there's only one state right now in the green, and that's Vermont. So shout out to Vermont. Uh, Basically, everyone else is in the red. So they stormed the field, and then they had to issue a letter from the office of the president, the university president in Notre Dame, um, to say, basically, y'all all all need to stay where you are. we got to try to do some contact tracing here. Like, that was not okay um, what happened um, in that game. But then also the the letter was also signed uh, by the university president, of course, who also, you know, had his own issues because he was at the super spreader event at the White House um, for the confirmation of the justice, right? Right. And so you you, listen – I know that we have somehow gotten to this point to where talking about COVID is like faux pas, like we can't do it, like just right. be smart, right? Right. Like there's really all it comes down to is you hold your hand, hold the mask in your hand. Like this is what it comes down to. Like we have to – you talk about um, Nebraska football having that big brick wall and they keep running into it and the same thing keeps happening – that's, That's essentially us. what's happening right now right, with COVID, right? right? We've got to do something a little bit different, different here yeah. to try to mitigate this and to kind of at least lessen it because I know that no matter how you feel about COVID and how it got here or whatever, that doesn't matter. I know for a fact that you want to get back to regular life. I want to go travel again. I, I like too. going to the movies. So I want to go and do that stuff. So we need to be able to be better as a country than doing stuff like storming the field. And I know it's exciting. Game. And I know it's exciting yeah. and it's tough. And it feels like, oh, you're being, you know, Debbie Downer trying to come down on these college kids. But that, to me, really was just symptomatic of what we're seeing, seeing right now across the, across, across the nation. Across the and nation. even here in Nebraska, too, as far as. Yeah, it, as far it, as it, what it, our case. And it's a it's really a scary thing to see kind of what's been happening in Nebraska as well, because one of the things. Have that many people yeah, we don't have that many people. But, and that had been one of the things, things that people were saying. That, yeah. Oh, man, we're, we've been okay. We, and then all of a sudden, eh, not so much. Right. So just please do, do the things that you know that we're supposed to be doing to try to bring this back down. And then if uh, we can hopefully start to move towards getting some, some normal um, life back because come next season, well, everybody wants to be back right. in Memorial right. Stadium. Right, and we want to have another – we want to have a spring game weekend. Yeah, that, I, that, I want and, that. That's one of the best times. Like, that spring game weekend is a and great it, time. And it's not going to just start in February or March. It starts right now if you yeah, want it starts to now. spring ball. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's essentially what you're saying, Greg, wear your mask, wash your hands, and wash your butt. <laughs> that is, I like that you threw the additional hey, on there. Hey, Listen, man. that will remind me. I'm gonna go off on a hygiene tangent of what I, I saw. This whole thing on Twitter about people not washing their legs, like they believe that it's a thing. And I apologize, Sasha, looking like I'm crazy. So good, I know that you wash your legs. So <laughs> we like, I, it was this whole thing on Twitter, and you looking at me too. You must have missed this. Yeah, where it was it. this whole thing where people were saying when they get in the shower they don't wash their legs. And if you are somebody listening to this who might be thinking, dang, maybe I have questionable hygiene. Maybe you do. Take the advice from us. Wash your legs, wash your body, wash your hands, and wear your mask, and social wash your butt. Please. And I will tell you this from being at basketball games and being in the bathroom, I've seen easily 20 to 30 men up there just do the, I call it the drive by wash, turn the water on, and just leave. This is what, this and is I want to say, man, 
Hey, man. Not now, man. Not, not, not now. The age of Rona, man. You can man. do that two years doing? ago. Not right now. No. So, yeah, why, yeah, wear your mask and do everything you need to do. If you're anti-mask, then just stay home. Look, man, this isn't a political statement. No. I do, I, I do not like wearing a mask, but I will. I have to coach with a mask on. Mm. And it's it's extremely uncomfortable, but I'm, I, I don't even know what I would do with myself if I, I guess, if I had COVID or the, I call it the Rona. And I gave it to a kid that I coached or somebody that I knew. Mm-hmm. I, so that's why I wear it, just for everybody else. You know, people want to be on here and, be, you know, be mad and all so that's Dude, that's a personal problem. Yeah, my, that's my, fine. My, that's fine. That's fine. So, you know, hey, do what you need to do. Notre Dame, do better. Okay, I'm excited for you for about two seconds that you beat Clemson. I I, I hate Notre Dame, but, you know, a big victory for you. Yeah, Mr. great victory for them. Mr. Mr. Uh, Drive, drive it actually is a great like if you really want Brian to, Kelly. Yeah, if you really want to relate it as well to Nebraska football, is that it's really an example for of, Nebraska yeah. because they went their struggles were not as bad, bad as Nebraska's, as, but they had they definitely had struggles earlier in Brian Kelly's tenure. They made adjustments. adjustments Remember, they made adjustments, yeah. and, and then now they've come through and on and the and other side. And, and Clemson is still a, a top notch team, even though Trevor Lawrence didn't play. Yeah, they had the number one. Quarterback yeah, they had the number one quarterback, and he and, and, like who actually played very played well. very yeah. well in. in you know, probably will be a number one pick I'm in a couple at years. Twenty nine for forty four for four thirty nine and yeah. two touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't. A, it was, he he, he wasn't the reason start. why they. Yeah, no, yeah, he, he was not. on the road at Notre Dame. So, yeah. um, you know, kudos to them and, and Mr. Excitement himself, Brian Kelly, Mr. Nice Guy, right? <laughs> right. Uh, my guy that I'm gonna put on blast is none other than man, my man Patrick Mahomes Jr. Deshaun <laughs> Watson. You know, he got the big contract right after Mahomes or Mahomey. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick, we got on that. Not Pat. We got on that. Little mom got mad and all this other stuff. Mom has been mad about that. And Bill O'Brien has depleted that team of draft picks. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to be, oh, we got rid of a Hall of Fame receiver, so we're going to spread the ball around. Right? Now, a few years prior, since we talked about Notre Dame, we drafted Will Fuller. Okay. Okay? For every game that he plays, he doesn't play six. For every good game he has, he has – Two games that he doesn't do anything. He's a fantasy football nightmare because you just it's like any mini miny mo and he's going to actually live up to his projections. Deshaun Watson after the game said it would have been hell if the Texans traded Will Fuller. Well, Deshaun, since you are essentially in the business office now, you almost you are on JJ Watt's level because JJ Watt will be gone and traded to another team in the offseason. You already said it, I want a championship. Right. This isn't a championship type team. So now this is your team, right? I know Will Fuller's, your, Will Fuller's your boy, but you also have to look at it. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option, so essentially he's going to be a free agent. So now he's about to leave for no assets in return. Maybe a compensation pick, but not very high based on his production. Why wouldn't you trade him to get draft picks back that your boy Bill O'Brien gave away just the, just the last two years? Right. Because then you say it would have been hell – so now you're saying now you're up here trying to dictate who gets paid or not. And when you have that going on, we just did that when you have Bill O'Brien paying guys and cutting guys out of emotion. Now, Deshaun Watson isn't there. I know that he probably, you know, feels comfortable with Will Fuller. But is Will Fuller DeAndre Hopkins? No. Is Will Fuller Julio Jones? No. Is Will Fuller Devontae uh, Adams? No. Adams? Is he even Adam Thielen? Okay, <laughs> out there. Is he um, – Allen from the Chargers, he's not that, right. right? He's a number two receiver. If you can get some picks for him, you got to do it. So I'm going to put him on blast in the sense of he, since 
he is talking with his heart and emotion and not his head. And when you have, when you're in a situation like, like he's in, when essentially he's going to be taking, we're paying you a lot of money, but we're paying you to get beat up here. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You Crash got, you have got there. to, you have got to release that emotional tie and go from a business, business side of it. And that's why I'm going to put him on blast. It's not a bad blast, but it's, Think a little bit more with your head and not your heart. And here's why. I'm going to tell you a story about my agent. So in our draft cat class when I was in Buffalo, so there were seven rounds. I think we had eight because we had two fourth-round picks. He, he, one of the things he told me, he's like, don't get too close with any of these guys. And I'm like, why? You know, because I'm coming from college, right? We all came in 18. We leave at 22. We boys. <laughs> right. We're going to be here, right? He's like, oh, no. He's like, after year one out of those eight guys, it's going to be six. Right. After year two, it might be five. After year three, you might be one of them gone. That's if you're not gone in those first two years. Right. And then, and he's like, once they leave, and they, whether you're friends with them or not, you don't want the emotional ties because that'll affect the way, the way that you play right. and the way that you think. And lo and behold, every year it dwindles down. I think after my fourth year, I got traded. You know, then only Antoine and Peerless was there. Antoine didn't get his second contract. He went to Minnesota. Peerless stayed. Then he actually went to Dallas or went to Atlanta. Keith Newman was gone. Next thing you know, our whole draft class was gone. Right. And we all ended up playing eight plus years. We all were gone. And so that's where Deshaun, it's a, it's a, it's a learning lesson for him. He hasn't had to deal with much adversity. I know granted he had the ACL, but really dealing with adversity from a playing standpoint and dealing with losing. Cause when he came in, they, they were, they went to yeah, the playoffs. They, they so now he's dealing with losing and he's dealing with money and it's, it's a hard thing to deal with. Yeah, that's it's definitely tough, and we could, that'll be a really interesting situation to see how that plays out for him yeah. as the guy kind of moving forward that um, for the rest of time with his watch because he's going to be the man. It's just like things change it, up hey man, on you. It, it's, it's, it, it changes year to year. It does. Now, we're going to leave it there. We can subscribe to the podcast everywhere you listen to him. Rate us, review us, leave us a five-star review. If you leave four, I'm inclined to think you're a hater. Make sure that you are checking out the other podcasts on the Hale Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own Podcast, Varsity Club, more to it, and the Hale Varsity Radio Show. We do have an email. You can hit us up there for all your suggestions and good feedback uh, at straightupbreakdown at hailvarsity.com. You can also find us on Twitter at GregSmithHV and at Foreman 5644. We will catch you next time.